Inside Track on Real Estate with Ken and Yetta Decker of the Decker Team. Get the Inside Track, everything you need to know about buying and selling in the greater Ottawa area. The Inside Track on Real Estate with the Decker Team. This month, the theme is compound effect. Mm-hmm. And what I'd like to talk about is the effect of owning a home versus renting a home on people's net worth. Right. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> well, it does sound exciting. And we're all kind of going, it's such a sensitive topic because sometimes there are reasons to continue to rent for long periods of time. And so if you're in a situation where renting for short term or long term is best for you, then you just know that the compound effect that can work for you when you own won't be for that period of time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yep. Because there are reasons. Like if I'm going to be moving within the next two years from my city that I'm currently living in, I will probably decide, even as a realtor, that I'm not going to own property. Right. Un- unless mm-hmm. I know I'm coming back to that home and I want to turn it into an investment property. Yes. Yeah. And so really what we're talking about is the long-term effect of right. renting versus the long-term effect of owning. Even if you have to move every right. once in a while, what's the difference? Right. Makes sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I'm Yetta Decker. And I'm Ken Decker. I'm Candace St. Louis and Decker. (laughs) (laughs) So whether you're renting or you're owning, this show is for you. Right. Or even if you're thinking about owning a second property or you're going to help kids who are away at school that are going to rent short term or maybe they're going to rent long term. How long are they at university? So all this applies regardless of what situation you're in. Mm in life right now. Mm -hmm. There'll be an element. There'll be one or two or three, maybe 10 key takeaways that you can utilize. So how many core points are we really covering today? I'm not saying. (laughs) He's not saying. And the reason he's not saying (laughs) is if you watch some of our shows, although we really want to tell you what to expect going into it, we sometimes don't get quite as far into the content as we had hoped. So this is a skill that we are developing. So the (laughs) skill that we have is helping people get great compound effect out of owning property. And we haven't quite mastered how to get great compound effect about getting more content Uh, uh, into a show. On the radio show. So maybe you'll want to use this as realtors. Stop listening right now and call us. (laughs) Because we're way better realtors than we are radio shows hosts. Or, or yeah, even video show hosts, it, <laughs> it would hilarious. seem. Dan's <laughs> chuckling in the background here because he says, yep, don't give up your day job, guys. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. And we promise we're not doing it. So let's get down to business. Okay. So according to a 2017 article that I found when I was doing my research, homeowners in Canada had roughly $121,000 in net worth on average. Homeowners. Homeowners. Uh-huh. They did the same study with renters. Right. And on average, their net worth... 16000 Yeah, 16000 That's like a tenth. Yeah, and what's scary about that is probably the numbers skewed because the, the people that are starting out 
and renting mm. probably don't have that much net worth. It might be the people that are in the later stages of life that are renting now have more net worth. Right. So when you look at it, it's probably even scarier. Oh, could be yeah. scarier. Ooh, no. I thought that would make it better. Yeah. So here's another thing that's really disturbing a little bit. The CMHC said that renters and Central Mortgage and Housing Corporation yes. is what CMHC is. So Central Mortgage and Housing Corporation it governs um, oversight, I guess, of and information. It's a, it's a really. government in a government organization yeah. that allows for um, the the insurance. Right for high ratio mortgages. So if you're paying less than 20% down, you need Central to have Mortgage and Housing insured. Right. Central Mortgage okay. and Housing Corporation insured, and they're also really good at providing studies and information and statistics and information around owning home, yep. owning property. They do studies and stats and yeah. one of their studies said that uh, renters income is approximately half that of the income of homeowners. Right. And so there is a point here where if your income is at a certain point, you ought not be owning. Well, you can't. You well, just can't yeah. afford to. Right. But yeah. the risk is too high as well. Yeah. So I think that part of the lower income is that sometimes mm -hmm. it's people just starting out mm -hmm. that haven't built up their career incomes yet, or they're on their own. They're renting a single apartment right. as opposed to being a couple right. who have doubled the income because primarily most families now are double income families. Primarily. Yep. Yeah. So, but it's still, so on face value, I looked at that and I said, oh, obviously they should have more equity if they're making twice as much money. But their equity is coming in the value of the house. It's that silent mm -hmm. compound effect that they're not really taking into consideration. The pay down of the mortgage, the, the increase of the value of the property. So what that said to me was homeowners are spending more money. If they've got twice the income, means they have more disposable income, means they're driving newer cars, they're, they're spending more money on consumer items, they're maybe traveling more. They should have way more equity than 121 if they have twice as much income on average. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I'm making so sense. You're mm -hmm. making sense. That's, that's one for the record books. Oh, so, my goodness. <clears throat> well, it's not really. But we all know that we have to banter a little. Yes. Right? Because otherwise, it's just no fun being married. Really? Right. Okay. That's that kind of excitement? Yeah, it does in our home because that's the area that we meet in is a little bit of fun and playfulness. Yes, it is. And so that works well. And so we were tenants originally when we first got married. Yes, we so were. So we'll interject a little bit of a personal story because it helps. Hopefully you can see yourself in it because what we did is probably not that unusual for most young couples starting out. Now, Candace and Sasha did something entirely different. Mm -hmm. Ryan and Amber did something entirely differently. And they had the advantage of being raised in a real estate home. Yes. And so that gave them some uh, information and comfort with home ownership when most people wouldn't have had comfort or ability to do anything with it. Yeah, before the 
the typical time of buying a house. The right. typical time is not 20 years old. And not when you're still in college in Ryan's case. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So for us, we rented for the first five years of our marriage. We rented. Mm. And now in hindsight, what I realized is we spent $50,000 in rent. Yeah, and you say in hindsight, it was one of the drivers that was causing me to say, we must buy real estate. That was previous to us being realtors. Yeah, we, were, we didn't know We much. were both in retail, yep. retail stores. And we were making not a lot of money. I was making really not a lot of money for the first several years. Ken was making a little bit more. And we won't really discuss the exact numbers, but just know it was not a lot of money because it doesn't mean much in today's economy. It would sound absolutely foolishness if I shared what I earned and worked <laughs> 80 to 100 hours a week managing a store. And yet we spent 50000 in rent in a five-year period. And... Then we bought our first house for about $65,000 in the, and I'll give you that number, in the mid-80s. Yeah, mid-80s. Which is interesting because that, we put $50,000 in rent in five years, and the house we bought mm -hmm. was essentially the same amount of money. A little bit more. Yeah, but pretty darn close. And so that's interesting because today it probably wouldn't work out quite like that. No. no, it was the lower end of the market. It was a townhouse. It was um, not big. It didn't have a garage. It didn't have an ensuite bathroom. I mean, it was truly a starter home. And it wasn't in Ontario. No, and it wasn't in Ontario. It was in Elmer. Right. So sometimes you got to do what you got to do to get that first house. And I yeah. think that's what we ended up choosing to do was doing what we needed to do to get that first house when we started realizing that we had spent $50,000 on rent. Mm -hmm. That was a lot of money relative to what we made. That was like a lot of like significant, almost <laughs> all of the money we made. So I don't know how we <laughs> lived actually. Yeah, but that um, was over five years. We didn't make that little over five years. No, but we didn't make <laughs> Yeah. Maybe that's why we were in consumer debt. <laughs> maybe maybe that is why we had lots of consumer debt. Living beyond our means probably should have been renting a smaller place. And then we had a child, which kind of, Candace this is one. the child, yeah. actually. Yeah, that kind of increased our necessity or desire to own property. So we got a gift from family. We scrimped, we saved, we probably accumulated, we did a little more consumer debt over a period of time so that we can put money to decide for closing costs and a down payment. And we got into that first house. Just mm -hmm. getting into that first house though actually started to teach us some principles about paying ourselves first. And there was more pride of ownership. We took better care of that house. And not to say all tenants don't take great care of their property. We as young people, we did not take great care of our rental properties, especially the first no. time. So. <laughs> really so. Do you remember I actually bought a little sander and we sanded True. the entire parquet flooring in our apartment Yes. With a small hand sander, <laughs> yes. and in a rental, and refinished it right. in a rental. Right. So it wasn't so much the maintenance; it was more the cleanliness. Let's be honest. You're thinking about the clutter and stuff. Yeah, oh, okay. more too much stuff 
and not putting it away. Not, right. Yeah, yeah. Typical young person. Well, well not typical. let's not say typical. That's not typical true. for us. Typical for us, yes. Yeah. So, so it worked out well to be able to buy that first property because within a few years we decided we weren't actually comfortable paying Quebec taxes and working in Ontario. So we decided to purchase a house in Ontario. We did talk about that in an earlier show, sort of the journey of why we did what we did. But really the point for this show is just that renting was costing us really more money than it was cost it cost us to own. Yeah. yeah. And that's the bottom line. And when we were going to stay in the same area for an extended period of time, it did not make a lot of sense to keep renting. And it was time to figure out how to get the money to get a down payment. So sometimes even purchasing a property and paying CMHC, Central Mortgage and Housing Corporation, uh, premiums and fees make sense because you're getting into the market. It always makes sense. It always makes sense. So if you're staying. Yeah. Yeah. You have to stay there for, you got to be in the market for a long time. Makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're going to only be a couple of years, don't do it. Don't do it. Please don't do it. But it, probably five years or more. Yeah. It yeah. totally makes sense. Yeah. So we've helped over 825 first time home buyers. That's mm. quite a few. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is quite a few. Yeah, and uh, I actually love working with first-time home buyers. And a few of the ways that the buyers can get ready and save up for that 5% down at least is to start with a plan. So if you don't have your goals in front of you and your plan in front of you, then it makes it pretty hard to obtain or you're going to obtain it a lot longer. Um, it's going to be slower. It's going to be slower. It's yeah. going to be an arduous, slow icky journey yeah so make a plan make a plan is the first way another one is uh i liked this idea when i was younger marry an income earner (laughs) 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 i always had that dream of marrying that man in the suit and i could sit at home and be in a nice house so that's always one way to do it it's not what you did (laughs) no Uh, (laughs) get educated so educate yourself uh for a higher earning job um, so you may be in a certain position right now, and how can you move to that next level as well? Mm. And this one is one uh, usually helps to have motivation, which is reduced spending. So if you have that goal in your future th- mm-hmm. that you see in the forefront, then it's easier to, to save and reduce the spending. So, right. so having a goal. Having a goal, yeah. So, And are there major things that people spend on that they don't really recognize or they think that they are entitled entitled or necessity or a need yes yeah so one might be a car for example so i remember saving up for my very first car uh with not much experience which was different than my next car so my first car i only had a couple thousand dollars i put down and i i made my payments my next vehicle which was a family vehicle i saved up the money, came up with, I think it was around $10,000 and found the best vehicle for that money. Mm -hmm. And then I'm not spending interest. I'm not putting payments down, um, that sort of thing. So then, yeah. And then the other thing your brother did, which is a great example for some that are listening is he delayed purchasing that first car Mm -hmm. and bought a house that was within proximity where he could bus. 
because the cost of bus transportation was much less than car maintenance and gas and insurance and all those things and put the money into a house instead as a college student. Mm -hmm. So there's lots of different ways of preparing for your house. And one is just like, as you said, Candace, just reduce your costs. Yeah. So what are the things? Can they uh, cable, internet, and phone. So mm. there's a lot of different providers now. There's not only a couple options. There's a lot of less expensive options um, out there. They may not be as reliable. So maybe you won't get that for your home business that you're running uh, it from, but definitely your home. Uh, do you really need cable? Do the kids need to, to watch that for yourself? Well, I find a lot of families now are moving to... Netflix or what was that Christian one? Safeflix? Pureflix. Pureflix. Yeah. Safeflix. Pureflix. Those are pretty safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, another one is eating out. Sometimes we don't realize how often we eat out. Mm, and yeah. in the moment we feel, I do anyways, feel pretty entitled to just grab that thing when I'm running from appointment to appointment. Or if it feels tight one night, just get the kids takeout or whatever and and not take 40 minutes to prepare a meal that I kind of forgot to take the meat out of the freezer. <laughs> What's it cost to take a family of five out for dinner now? Oh, the other day we went out for lunch after church because it ran late. So I was like, oh, okay, it's not so in the budget. And I was in disbelief once I got the bill. <laughs> and you didn't even have the older boys with you, did no, you? No, so there was five of us and it was $130 for lunch. With three little children? With three children and ourselves, yep. And wow. I even, everyone else had drinks, so I had water. So there's different <laughs> choices you can make. Um, but yeah, so just being really cautious <laughs> of what you're ordering is. <laughs> wow. And if you're going out, right? Right. And then the latte factor. Yeah. I think, how often are you doing that? Right. And how often are you picking up that coffee or that donut or that mm -hmm. bagel or those kinds of things? They have a compound effect on your body too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> compound effect on your those bank account and a yeah. compound effect on your body. Yeah, so another way that we can um, get ready to purchase is improving our credit rating. So being aware of that. Um, mm. And you can look at that every so often so that you're aware, making sure you're on time with your payments. And then lenders are often happier to lend to you and even greater amounts and less stipulations. Actually, we did a great show on, on we did. Uh, that, with didn't Kelly, we? Yeah, yeah, with Kelly Wilson about how to improve your credit rating. Mm -hmm. So you may want to go back and look at that. Yeah, one of on the biggest YouTube tips channel. I learned on that one was having every, like your debt under 60% of the credit limit they allow you. As mm -hmm. soon as you go over the 60% of what they allow you to have, then your credit rating score goes down. Way down. Way down. Exponentially down, yes. really, for the fact. So if you're at 62 or 63% of what yeah. you're allowed, it negatively impacts you. Yeah. yeah. So if you live at 100% or close to it or go, now go over it and it now has an even more detrimental oh, yeah. impact. Yeah. So you want to keep yourself, what you think you're hearing us say, is keep yourself significantly below the possible limit on your different credit Yeah. Places where you have revolving credit. Right. Yeah. What I found interesting is even if you pay off your credit card every month, so you have a small 
credit limit, let's say it's 5000 and you pay it off every month, but you spend three to $4,000 on it. If it's got $4,000 on it and the bill's not due yet and you haven't paid it yet, mm-hmm. that affects your credit rating. Say that one more time. So if the limit's 5000 and you've got 4000 on it, it means you're at 80% of the limit instead of under 60. But even if you pay it off every month, because that's the kind of cash flow you have, it's going to affect your credit rating. In a negative way. In a negative way. Because you're over. Because the credit rating's pulled at a moment in time. And if your credit card has more balance on it yeah. than 60% of the limit, yeah. it affects your credit rating in a negative way. Mm-hmm. So if you're preparing to buy a house, you really want to watch down. for that because you want that credit score to go up. Yes. And you want the outstanding credit that you have to go down and absolutely below the 60%. Yeah. And typically when you're getting a mortgage, the companies say they have to be at a zero balance. Right. Yeah. Quite often. Yeah. Because it factors into your credit worthiness for purchasing. If you've got too much other credit, like car loans and visas and different things like that. As long as your factors are okay, you can still have some credit. So it's Mm -hmm. just depending on how you got your original approval, you don't want to go against what that original approval, the snapshot in time, showed. Mm -hmm. Because then that may affect your credit worthiness. Yeah. So is there anything else that a person getting ready to purchase should think about? Uh, One thing you could ask your employer is if there's any skills you could improve on or uh, what's the best outcome of your... um, position there, what could be the best position there, and see what they're looking for and strive for that. Okay, so that would make you more valuable and thus probably higher income earner. That's right. right? Whether with that company or another company. Right. Because there's two aspects to purchasing. One is you got to have your down payment money, Mm -hmm. but then you also have to qualify for the mortgage. So you could be a great saver and save up the down payment. Mm. But if you're not making enough income yeah. that they say, yeah, you can afford the monthly payment, yep. you're still not buying. You're no. still not buying. And if you haven't been stable in a position for around two years, they like two years plus, then mm. it's more difficult right now. Right. Yeah. So one mm. of the things we do for uh, potential buyers, first-time yeah. buyers, is we offer a free consultation. It takes 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. Or and if you're with Yetta, it might be a little longer. Okay, eh. well. Sometimes she gets, you know, yeah, just let us way know too much you, information. Let us know whether you want the talkative one or the to-the-point person. And we'll, <laughs> we'll get you in the 45-minute zone or the two-hour zone. Your choice. <laughs> and sometimes it has to do with how many questions the buyer has. Yes, really. it often does. Yes. And then it also has to do with how many stories might be helpful. <laughs> Might be helpful. Yeah. So the whole point of that, though, is to prepare you for purchasing. Because if you're a first-time buyer, there's so many things. You don't even know what you don't know. Yeah. And we're going to coach you. We're going to connect you with a, a mortgage mm-hmm. broker that's going to get you a, you know, uh, down the path. If you're not ready to buy, help you and coach you to get mm-hmm. down the path so that you are ready to buy. So that consultation is invaluable. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it certainly is what made all the difference for us at the beginning. And I don't want to wrap up without, because we're, believe it or not, at like almost the end of the half hour, is an example. 
because I think there's nothing more powerful than story and then example rather than just theory. So if we take a $400,000 house, let's just go with $400,000 and we're going to put down only 5%. 5%. We'll just start with 5% because it's our first house and today 400,000 in the Ottawa market is a below average price point. Yeah, I guess it is. Right, it is. You can still get a pretty decent house. You can. And certainly a really beautiful townhouse and a nice single family if it's a little bit in the country. It just depends on where and what you're buying. So 5% down. Or if you were going to rent, let's say you took that 5%. So in either case, you have $20,000. Let's just work with a $20,000 amount of money. That's all you've got. You're putting it down on the house. Plus, you got to borrow some closing costs, get a gift from a family member. Or you, and, or you take that 5% and you put it into an investment. If you were renting, you will have spent about the same a month on rent as somebody that owns that house. So we're going to call it 1700 in today's market. That's not an exact number, but it gives you an idea. With rent, it's going to go up over time. Mm-hmm. With the mortgage, it's not going to go up over time as long as you stay away from the consumer debt. Consumer debt. We're going to assume interest stays flat. Right. We're going to assume interest goes flat. So over a 25-year period, let's say that you have been able to get a 7% rate of return in your investment with the $20,000 because you rented. You've got about $100,000 in um, money, value, wealth, and you're going to have to pay some tax on that. So you've got less than 100000 but let's say you've got $75,000 because you're at a lower tax rate. Perfect. If you'd taken that same $20,000 down payment, put it into a house, you would now have a house that's probably worth about $800,000. And over a 25-year period, you would have paid off the house and you would have $800,000 and no taxes to pay because it's your principal residence. So... It's like if you're staying where you are, it's a no-brainer, really. You're staying in a house for a long period of time. Is or staying say. in an area. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else around that example? Because I did it real quick because I didn't want to forget. Well, I think it's important to know that if you're renting, it might be because you can't afford to own. Right. You need to get your job up, get mm-hmm. to the things that Candace talked about to mm-hmm. bring to get you ready to mm-hmm. own, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but ultimately, the person who owned compared to the person who rented, seven hundred thousand dollar difference right. in twenty five years. Mm-hmm. Now, if you figure you're going to work for thirty five, forty years, or whatever, you multiply that out. That's over a million dollars in net worth at retirement. Because it's just sitting in your house and you had to live anyways. Right. And that's not talking about leveraging and buying investment property. So if you have questions, if this has provoked thinking in your brain, then you're going to want to just register with us for a consultation. We'll sit down, go through the numbers. And we are not financial planners. And yet we do get real estate investment and owning your own home because that is what we're professional at. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so whether you're a first-time buyer or you're thinking a move is in your future, we'd love to sit down with you for a consultation. So what's important to us is that you're thriving in your home and your life. We are excited to be your partners in moving forward.